everybody and welcome back to the places we'll go show fabulous to have you with us again it's always a privilege to have your time today extra special guest and i'm going to say welcome Naomi walkland welcome Naomi. thank you thank you for having me well it, it's fabulous to have you here i mean I, I suppose the direct link is between us as we both sit on the marketing society board together um but my word there's a lot more to say this is going to take a little while so excuse me to to outline Naomi's stellar career to date because I know there's more to come. So Naomi's uh, VP of Marketing for EMEA and APAC for Bumble. Um, for those who don't know Bumble, um, which is possible, it's the first women's dating app. And in a nutshell, it's there to change the world of dating. So very purpose-driven, and we will definitely be coming back to that. Naomi's early career was in PR and comms, a spelling consulting, but it's been at Bumble for six, week, six years, working up through to being uh, director and then VP. But there is so much more. Naomi's also advisor to OK Mental, which is a female, um, getting female grads into the creative industries, advisor to startups, advisor to Spotify, Ooh. also angel investor, uh, founder of The Power of Quitting, and has been in the campaign and marketing top 100s, that's a given. Also Marketing Academy Scholar in 2021, shout out to that, Richie, also Marketing Academy Scholar. Do you ever sleep, Naomi? <laughs> also, within the Marketing Society, as I mentioned, is a fellow um, on the global board. And I just asked Sophie, who's the chief exec of Marketing Society, what would she say about Naomi? So she said, Naomi has such a thoughtful, creative and inspiring style, a lovely person to spend time with and with a brain that's as sharp as a whip. So proud to have her on our board. So welcome, Naomi. Fabulous to have you on the show. Thank you. Oh, it's very nice to Sophie as well. <laughs> thank you for the intro and a plus thing that thank you. <laughs> Naomi, thank you so much for, for, for being on here this morning. Um, Let's kick off. So, of course, you were just, we were just saying that 2024 has already been in for a um, a ride for you. So, so tell us a little bit about how, how January's been. Yeah, January's been really busy. For, um, and just for context, January is a very key time for datas. Um, it's one of our busiest peak times as well. I think as people start the new year, a lot of us in that new year, new mentality. And so... Um, in the dating app industry, we've got a day called Dating Sunday, and that's the first Sunday of the month. And that is when we see some of the most activity um, on dating apps. And so um, this month is actually really busy for us. And so as marketers, we're thinking, how can we tell our community around the great value and how Bumble can support you in your dating journey? So we always start January very busy. It's a key time. People are in that mindset and people are really looking for connection, particularly after having months like November, December to reflect when they come into that new year and they're looking at meeting new people. Yeah, amazing. It's almost the, like the the Apple Monday, don't you? I think it was that just Monday gone. But yeah. uh, I mean, who knew that these dates sort of existed? I know. The, the, the world of online dating, I mean, I'd love for you to say a little bit more about Bumble, but you know, mine in a nutshell is this is sort of reversing maybe traditional norms and empowering women to take control and lead that process. And and of course, I mean, I don't know. I mean, so many of my friends now have uh, or have over time met their to bees um, online. So that this is a very disruptive space. So tell a little bit more about the space and what Bumble are doing there. Yeah, absolutely. So Bumble um, Bumble launched ten years ago, and the real and props of Bumble was really around how do we challenge this outdated, you know, gender norms space. And our um, former CEO and founder at the time um, noticed that a lot of women around her were making the first move in different aspects of their lives, but weren't doing it when it came to dating. 
and they weren't taking that opportunity, weren't going for it. And around that time as well, and still now that it just wasn't a nice space for women and online dating wasn't a great experience for women. And so she launched it and flipped it on her head and said, let's look at empowering women, let's put women in control. And what we believe at Bumble is that when we make dating better for women, we make it better for everyone as well. So we launched 10 years ago and just how the product works is that women send the first move and it gives women such a sense of control and agency. It allows them to set the tone of the conversations that they're having. And as a result, we really ha- attract a community who share our values as well, who care about empowering women, who care about a lot of our ethos, which is about kindness, respect, equality, and safety. And, you know, over the last couple of years, and even as I've been here, we've just seen the success of so many people making connections and relationships as a result of this, and really just empowering women in all aspects of their lives. And, you know, firsthand, I met my husband on Bumble before I joined before I joined Bumble as well. So I know what it feels like. And I remember making a first move that night and, you know, I felt so good. I felt so confident. It was so nice to feel that I was in control and you know, our first conversation that I had with my husband was really around how he valued the platform and he really enjoyed that women were having that opportunity to make the first move as well. So it's been fantastic. We definitely are doing something which is really different, which is really focused on the women's experience. And when you think about a lot of products, a lot of products are made for the default and that typically is men. And so we've now built a product and experience which is really focused on the women's experience. And that is so rare. And so fantastic and we're going for strength for strength in the way that we're looking at innovating and creating a lot of features and, and tools to really support women in our community. No, it's amazing, really, and, and and fantastic. Congratulations. You met the your, your other half on the app as well. So in fact you stole my next question was about personal experiences and how it relates to Bumble. <laughs> but there you go, right? Oh you know. What I what I love about what you said is, you know, women making the first move and a sense of empowerment that that then presented. And of course, the the embryonic start, the insight being that they were doing so in many aspects of their lives, but certainly not in this context. And it's really changing that cultural norm um, with what you're what you're about. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit more around that role of empowerment and how you see Bumble actually even creating a greater social movement to actually create women empowerment and even maybe, you know, help change perceptions around society, um, even in a wider way beyond beyond the online dating world. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've not just been around just having a mission and not having action. So a lot of what we're doing is all rooted in how can we empower women? How can we create policy policies? How can we create tools? And a good example of this is one of the things that we noticed was that a lot of women were receiving a lot of unsolicited um, images and lead images and we have a feature called private detector which is an ai feature which blocks and detects um unsolicited images and so as a consumer you can you'll get a notification they'll find this you can choose whether you want to receive this image or not receive this image leveraging a lot of ai technology but last year we also lobbied around making cyber flashing law and successfully we actually put that into law and it's been part of the online safety bill as well and so We've also done that in um, in states in the US as well, but we're all looking around, okay, let's, if we really want to focus on making women's experience, we know that we need to do that offline as well as online as well. We really need to make sure that we're looking at making things legislative and law as well. And so the cyber flashing, some of our tools such as Private Detector, we've also bought banned things like body shaming on the app. We've got a lot of things and tools around safety and making sure women feel okay and there's a real um a real focus on making sure that we are 
respecting to all our guidelines and our safety. But um, that's a good example of how we really made sure that we're taking action in everything that we're doing as well, really focused again on that woman's first experience. Amazing. Bumble on a mission, Naomi on a mission. Um, yeah. where, where does the drive come from? Tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you've come to be who you are today. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I've actually reflected on this um, the other day, but I, I've i always been quite driven and I was, it's funny actually, my mum found some old school reports and it was just, you know, Naomi's so focused and so driven and it was a really old report and it said that she wants to be a businesswoman. That was, that was, that was, that was the goal years ago. But um, my mother was a single um, single mother and worked extremely hard. And um, I grew up just seeing her work, seeing her being so passionate about her career and also just really, you know, teaching me for such a young age that, that I could do whatever I wanted to do and the world was really my oyster. And my mum made so many sacrifices for me, particularly being a single parent and now being a parent myself, I just don't know how she did it. But but so, but I think she really instilled that drive and that confidence. And she used to say to me, like, you can do whatever you want to do, but just focus at being the best in that and focus at excelling and also looking at giving back. And so even being young, I would go with my mom and she would do some mentoring with the Prince's Trust and I would sit there with my colouring books and my homework in the background or she'd be mentoring someone. So I saw a lot around her parenting me, but working and then also giving back. And so really that's all I knew is really around, it was around that, is doing what you love and giving that. And I think that's been core to me as a person now, but then also the trajectory and the growth that I've had as well. And um, for me, I always say that that experience of my childhood is what really shapes me into um, the woman, the wife, the, the mother that I am today. Thank you, mum. Yeah, thank you, mum. <laughs> I, 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 Lovely, what, what what lovely stories there, and I love that sort of single-minded focusness that you probably had from such a young age, and all instilled from the power of mum, and yeah. you know using that as a springboard to be to be who you are today. Um, interestingly, doing a little bit of research before this podcast, I came across your um, your philosophy around the power of quitting, and I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that because I think as much as it is focus and single-mindedness, it's also sometimes knowing when you need to make a pivot. And I yeah. think perhaps there's you got some some um, insight to share on that. Yeah, absolutely. So the power of critic actually started with something that I was going through myself. And I joined a company and I joined it for the title and the company name. And my gut at the time was saying, do not join this, but I completely ignored it because, you know, I thought this was the title and the name and this this was this was far greater than any gut feeling that I had. And I joined it and I hated it. And I was so miserable. And I remember my mum and my husband just said, just quit. And I was like, I can't possibly quit. That they never quit anything. There's no way. And I quit and I didn't have a plan and I didn't have an idea of what I was going to do next. And coincidentally around that time, a lot of um, women in particular, mentors and people that I was really inspired by that fitting their jobs. And these are women who were, you know, making legacies or had been, you know, the first creative director or ECD at an agency. They've been doing these great things. So I couldn't imagine they would quit. 
So selfishly around that time, um, I started speaking to a lot of these women and I was navigating what was my next thing, which ended up being consulting. And I thought, if I'm feeling like this, so many other people are feeling like this, that there's such a stigma around fitting and it seems so negative. And so I ended up having all these coffees of women. And um, I said to my husband, I said, I've got this really great idea. I really want to have an event and a panel series interviewing all these women selfishly so I can learn and I can feel comfortable about my decision that if I'm feeling this, somebody else is feeling. And so I pitched this idea um, to the Sarah House group and I'm always really thankful for them supporting. And they said, we love this. This is a great idea. Um, let us know what we can do. And I had my first event and tickets went live. I did it all manually myself. I created my own newsletter, everything. It was it was very, at the time I looked back on it, it was like very, very budget. Um, but um, I said to my husband, I was like, do you think it will sell out? Like, you know, what happens? It'll just be you, my mum and my close friend in the audience. And it, it sold out immediately and it was oversubscribed. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And the first, the first event I had some women that I really, I'm still like really close to and really inspired by. And they spoke around their feelings about quitting, what it allowed them to do, what it allowed them to focus on. And I had all these women in the audience and some men as well, who were just like, I've been feeling like this. I've been feeling stuck or I want to leave my company and join another company or I want to start my own business. And I had a few years of kind of running these series, both in London, I also ran them in New York. I also ran it in um, Germany as well and started to build this community. And I had thousands of people who were joining it and signing up for events and so forth. Again, just wanting to learn more. And my my rule wasn't like just quit without a plan. And a lot of the speakers weren't talking around that, but just that there can be so much power in finding and pivoting and also finding your purpose and having that space. And since then I've stayed in contact with a lot of people who've been to the event series. Um, one person joined and it, she didn't end up doing it, but she had this really incredible business idea around wellness and linking that to women and supporting women and mental health. And she had this idea about, she must be like five, six years ago. And she's joined, um, she launched her own business a couple of years ago. And she, she messaged me and she said, thank you so much. It was the event, which was the catalyst for me. And it's so remarkable to see her going from strength to strength, partnering with some of the most iconic brands. But, you know, it started selfishly because I wanted to save space and I wanted to learn and it just grew and grew and grew. But it showed that a lot of women in particular really needed that. And how can we refrain putting to being something which is really unlocked? And you can see that conversations now started to kind of develop with podcasts like How to Fail and certain things where people are kind of normalizing um, what we kind of see as failure or quitting and seeing that as a chance to actually unlock what your potential power or purpose is. That's amazing. I mean, it, it, if you wanted an example for, you know, if I'm thinking that maybe maybe other people are thinking it as well, uh, you know, so lessons to everybody, you know, in that meeting or in that environment or whatever it is, you know, trust your instinct, because if you're thinking it, many will be doing so. And then, of course, the dot, dot, dots, you know, like not just thinking it, but then London, Germany, New York, catalyzing other people to create businesses. Amazing. So, um, so but but this must be intense. I mean, you've, you I know you've got a new CEO in town. That always brings its, uh, you know, its challenges. So, how, how do you balance your personal values with the demands of working in such a fast-paced, you know, tech-driven environment, plus all the other things you do? How do you balance it? Yeah, it's um, 
it's I am really careful around what I sign up and I really want to make sure that whatever I'm committing to I actually have the bandwidth to do so so that's first and foremost um and I have a really supportive husband as well which is really important to know and um we're both as passionate about supporting each other's careers I couldn't do what I do without having him um which is really key and and then I am ruthless when it comes to prioritization as well and what I focus on and very singular what my focus is and that's both personally and professionally and I weekends are precious to me that's when I spend time with my family I don't I don't tend to do things on the weekend I spend time with my son and my husband and it's you know sometimes I have some crunch weeks like I had in December it was very busy December um but I try to plan I'm a, I'm a planner I try to make sure I try to make sure I'm not over committing as well um, but I had had moments and instances a few years ago when I did overcommit too much. And so I had to really focus on what are the things that I can do. And, you know, sometimes that means saying no, but it means that maybe in a couple of years time I could do that, but I, I'm okay with saying no, I need to make it sustainable. And, yeah. uh, being a mother is so important to me. Being a good wife is so important to me being a good boss, colleague, employee, and so forth. So I need to make it as sustainable as possible. Now me prioritization. Absolutely. Gosh, Absolutely. <laughs> that's. That, that's that's key here. So given we're a show where many marketers will be listening into, I'm going to throw a marketing question at you. So um, I just want to get a sense of, I mean, clearly, you know, in, in Bumble only 10 years, which is remarkable, the journey that you have been on. I mean, what would you say are some of the, the keys to your success from a marketing perspective? What have you been able to do or um, any insights that you can bear, which has actually helped in terms of growing that brand exponentially? Yeah. So... Being a mission-driven business and being so focused on our mission and our community, a lot of our efforts have been focused around telling, amplifying the stories of our community. And so one of the things is that so many people have met, you know, they might have met their partner, they might have just had a really great date. We've been with them on their dating journey. So a lot of our work has been on how do we amplify these stories and how can we show that the role that Bumble's played? And so that might be campaigns that we've done such as you know, find them on Bumble, which is really around telling these stories about how people have made connections or how they've made, how Bumble's played a role in their lives. And so a lot of our focus has been around that. How do we tell the stories? How do we show how Bumble's features and innovation is playing a life in people's lives? But as well as that, Bumble, we're really focused on driving relevance. Like we're really, really focused on being part of culture. Dating is so intrinsically part of culture. And um, a lot of our campaigns have been around driving cultural relevance as well. So, and that's been really key for us. And so when I think around some of the great work that some of the teams have done across the globe recently, we know that Christmas is a time when you go back at Christmas and you know parents and grandparents are like, are you still single? Or do you want to go set up with somebody? And so the my UK team did this fantastic campaign around dating and Christmas. And it was really about how do we take these insights which we know are truths and around people asking around, you know, your relationship status or what's happening or should we set you up with our neighbor? And we had this brilliant campaign called Single All The Way, which is leading into those customer insights and showing how let's celebrate being single. And we also created some some Christmas jumpers, which actually became number one in the kind of fashion um, wrap up, which was around having things like, yes, man, I'm still single or, you know, I'm happy being single. All of these things which are based on customer insights. But as well as that, one thing which has been really passionate, uh, passion point for me is about how do we give back through some of our work as well. 
And um, we launched a campaign four years ago for My Love is Black Love. And that was really important to me as a black woman, but that was about celebrating black British love. And so often you don't hear that story told, particularly in mainstream media in Britain. So we launched that platform four years ago and we had, you know, for every day of October, we had a story celebrating black love. And no one had seen that level of stories or content just purely around black love. And it's been one of our most successful campaigns to date. We've become synonymous with My Love is Black Love. The first year was around celebrating black love. The second year was around creating spaces for black people to date. The third year was unlocking black stories. And then this year, which has just gone rise about celebrating black sisterhood and women. And it's been such an amazing campaign. It's one that I'm personally so proud of as well. It aligns with our values around commission and um, community and mission but also around relevance. Like we we gave the platform to our community. We let them tell their stories. And it wasn't around Bumble shouting about everything. It was just around Bumble being that platform to amplify voices as well. And so that was a passion project for me. It's still the passion project for me in the campaign that I'm doing. But when I was talking and doing, I did a bit of a speech for an event um, back in October, and I said that, I said to them, I was like, this is for the community. And that really is what it's for. This is for the community, it's by the community. And really our role is to just unlock those stories and be that platform to kind of celebrate black love. And it really is true. And so I'm really proud of the work that we've done and the impact that we've had. And I still get messages to today saying, this is my most iconic campaign that I've ever seen, or this touched my life, or I've never seen black love or a brand commit to a community authentically and over the multiple years. Wow. Well, the, the, the pride, you say proud, the, the, the pride really shines through and you sort of little hairs on the back of your neck. I, I, I had there. So, um, just, and let's, let's, so let's go back to the, the core of all of this is around female empowerment. And so as, as an extension to that, what, what advice would you give to women aspiring to leadership roles like yours in the tech industry based on your own journey? So, but, bit of advice for those thinking oh I'd, I'd love to be Naomi <laughs> um, I I think there's a couple of things that have kind of been principles to me as I thought about you know my career and what's important to me is one is just staying curious really being open to learning a new perspective as well one thing which is really important I really underestimated it until as I got more senior but your network the importance of really building great network, it opens doors, opportunities, it leads to mentorship, supporting you doing challenges. I know network networking all seems like so daunting and you don't have to over formalizing it, but like really starting to build community for yourself. And particularly as you get into leadership roles, you don't it gets a bit lonely as you kind of go through. And I definitely have really valued my peer set or people I've grown up with in the industry or being part of networks to talk about things and you know, we were saying at the beginning, I really love this podcast. I get to get insights to other leaders and thinking, okay, they're going through the same things. You know, that's really helpful to know. And then the last thing, and it's, it's not really a principle for necessarily kind of navigating a kind of leadership role, but one thing that I always stand by is just being kind and treating people with respect. And um, I know it sounds like such a, you know, you think that that's, that's a given, but so often it's not. And the world is very, very small. And I think that's kind of been a principle for me around just treating people with kindness and respect um, and it stood by me. But I think in terms of um, the last thing as well was just around being really singular around your focus and what you're trying to look at and what you're trying to achieve and 
why that role um, and and also just investing in yourself. And so a key thing that I've done over the last years is I have worked with a coach and worked with her for the last seven years. And that's been really important to me to kind of develop and invest in myself as a leader as well. Naeem, it seems like you're stealing my next questions here. Amazing. <laughs> Great anticipation there. But look, I think, I think the key things here when you say staying curious um, and at the same time having singular focus and investing in yourself. And of course, you alluded to, you know, um, some of the key traits that you think would be valuable for, for future leaders. But in and around that, I mean, clearly you also have a great level of technical expertise when it comes to marketing and the industry and then what resonates with the consumer. And I just wondered, perhaps a two-part question. One is, what are some of the major trends that are on your mind at the moment in terms of marketing? And two, how do you stay abreast with what you're, and hone in your own skills, your technical level skills, in order to make sure that you sit at the forefront of the industry? Yeah. Um, I'll start with the first. Um, so a couple of these trends are not new trends. I just think sometimes with marketers, we get so carried away with like the latest innovation, but kind of forget forget the, forget the key competence of what we're doing. One was that I touched upon was just around relevance and entertainment. Um, particularly for us, as I said, in the dating industry as well, like you're, it's important to remain relevant. And when I think about relevance, I think about cultural relevance. Like culture is a big business. It's also a big social and economic commentator as well and critic. Culture tells us about what we need to know and the the world we live in and and also about what we should pay attention to and why. And so when I think about cultural relevance, it's think about like how can brands really try and add something to culture? How can they contribute to culture? How can they be part of it? How can they shape it as well? And on a more technical level as well, when you think about the product innovation, it also applies. Why does this product matter? What is it doing? What is it trying to help? And I think a lot of brands have been doing a great job at it. Um, you know, I think particularly kind of fashion and brands have been really on the forefront of culture because they bring entertainment. And you think about a brand like Louis Vuitton and working with Pharrell where they've bought, you know, fashion, entertainment and culture all together. But culture is a really part of the business and a really good example again of it recently is just the stanley cup like that cup has really come back into the forefront which has been around for years but they lent into a lot of cultural trends it's been all over tiktok it got to the point where like you know i've got a couple of people on my team who've got it and i was like do i need a stanley cup like you know and my husband was like you do not need to buy a 50 pounds water bottle like a glass is fine but like you know you feel so because it's become part of culture it's become part of that conversation as well so i think that's one trend that um i'd say is really important the second again is around advocacy and community and um really focusing on building community is what we do at bumble as well i think it's really the thread which ties everything together as well how we're building our connections how we're how we're fostering and creating a space for our community but i think community is something which is such a catalyst for growth for a lot of businesses as well and again another good example is i love what the team at netflix are doing where they said we're not just going to focus on acquiring customers we're going to focus on our fans we're going to focus on telling the stories of our fans as well because our community are going to be the ones who are advocating and amplifying our message when you think about marketing we're so often focusing on like customer acquisition and acquiring new people but how do you use your community and your advocates to be the best storytellers and the best media channels for you as well? So I think Netflix is a brand which is really doing that um, incredibly well and 
just interesting how they're leaning into trends, but again, they're focused on their fans. And when I think about it, the asset fumble, it's like we're focused on our community. We're focused on building our new community. We're focused on amplifying those stories. So those are the two things, which again, not new, but as marketers, like sometimes we forget about some of the things which are the crux and the foundation of to what we do. Yeah, so true. I mean, the big insights don't really change over time and you know, the creative challenges to express that in new and fresh ways. So um, you, you, you're probably leading the field in your space of online dating, but it's, you know, it's uh, getting a bit more crowded. It's a busy market. It's, well, it's competitive. So what, what are some of the biggest challenges you're facing in terms of continuing to win in that space? I think it applies to a lot of businesses which are really competitive now and also having consumers who are, you know, a lot more cynical towards marketing and communication. So it comes back to what's your mission? What's your value? What are you doing to add relevance to your community? And that's what we focus on. Um, we are very singular as a uh, mission. I think we distinguish ourselves because we're women first. We stand by what we're doing and our commitment as well. And we're really focused around making great experience for women. But one thing that I love around us at Bumble is we have such a challenger mindset and we've not lost that as we've scaled as well. We're always looking at ways to be innovative. Like how can we think beyond paid media? How can we think to on ways on injecting ourselves in the conversation? How can we be really topical? How can we be quick? How can we be reactive? How can we show that we understand um, our community's life when it comes to dating as well? So I think that challenge and mindset is something that we have as a team. And I know with my team, we're always thinking around, how can we think outside of the box as well? How can we innovate as well? Um, but also how do we lead with like really everything that we're doing is in service of our customer as well. And so those are kind of been the principles that we've done um, in a highly competitive market. And I guess to me, and it kind of sounds true, it's like, you've got to be relevant. Like that is first and foremost in a competitive market. You've got to be relevant. You've got to understand your customer and you've got to keep to set, keep demonstrating that to them as well. No, I love the thought around the challenger mindset. And I think that all companies today, big or small, need to sort of have that at the back of their minds. But actually, it's it's not, it shouldn't be taken for granted. And it's often much harder, particularly for more incumbent, more established companies gone by, to adopt a challenger mindset. And I wondered, you know, as a leader in your organization, what are maybe some of the, the mechanisms that you use to constantly foster a challenger mindset and innovation? I think firstly, you've got to give, one of the ways to foster challenging mindset and innovation is giving teams permission to fail and being okay with that. I think one of the things that I do with my team is I say like, it's okay to fail or make mistakes. And, um, you know, sometimes you do get into periods where you just want to go through tried and tested. And I've been guilty of that where, you know, I've become a bit, you know, immune to kind of testing and taking risks, but like really having a great team of leadership who or teams who feel like we want to try something new. And that's not just at my leadership level. We've got, you know, all team members from marketing managers who come through, like, I really want to test something. I really want to try something new. I want to push something. But in order to foster that challenge of mindset, you've got to give teams permission to fail. And of course, like we can't fail big key campaigns, but let's allow space to innovate, whether that's 10% of your budget or um, you know, one campaign where you're going to try some innovation, you'll test something new and let's test and learn. But I think my biggest thing that I say to the team is like, we need to be accountable to that. So I don't mind if we, we, we make the mistakes, but let's be accountable on like communicating that back to the business as well. Let's communicate what we learned, what we're going to do and what we're going to take forward of that as well. Um, and let's make sure we've got great frameworks for testing and failing as well. So I think it's about how do you cultivate a space for teams to fail and to feel okay with failing as well. And I think as leaders, 
that's a real key focus for us as well. How do we create that safety that it's okay and that permission to fail? Mm. Um, I, I saw you, uh, did, you did a, an interview at the Marketing Society um, conference last year. And uh, I, might, I might come on to ask you about how do you prepare and you know how do you nail those environments. But what really struck me is actually there's a real fun element to the creative. I mean, this is, you know, this is about creating love and relationships and marriages. So there has to be a sort of a, a entertainment. I mean, there's a, there's a couple. I think there was the no more aubergine pics, which relates <laughs> to bashing and uh, dating dress code, the perfect dress for doing wheeze in the park. So there's a, there's a sort of an element of fun to the brand. Um, and I always think that brands. The people who run brands kind of rub off on their brands. So my guess is that you have a lot of fun in your work. So what's what's the most fun thing that you you've done recently? Where's the where's the real joy in your work? Oh, I I have so much fun with the team. Like it's absolutely like the team is so creative as well. I feel so fortunate. We are um, we're working on some interesting work at the moment, and we were just in a brainstorm earlier this week, and I just felt so energized with the team and some of the ideas that are coming of it as well. I think also a lot of the team are the target audience as well and that you can feel that coming through and some of the creative and the work that we're doing but I think our most recent campaign that we did in the UK which is around um being single at Christmas was so tongue-in-cheek like you know we had some really great lines in there around like you can you know you don't have to go on a date with Harry from finance you know there's all this fun tongue-in-cheek creative and um we a lot of our creative is done internally as well and our creative team is so funny and the human we have a lot of thought like you know it's such an interesting industry she touched upon as well but um I also think work needs to be fun as well and creativity and we need to feel inspired as well and so a lot of that comes through in our brainstorms and um and as we start to think about things as well but we're always coming through that and that angle which is around entertainment as well and how do we entertain our consumers entertain and delight and that's that's a principle to how we think about our work I love that the entertain and delight Fact, and you're right because that leads into then cultural relevance, um, and also creates a lot of joy amongst your team to then come up with that, as you say, the brainstorm. One one element you just maybe you just kind of flicked in there was in and around how your creative team um, and your creative work a lot of it's done internally, and I just wondered maybe if there's if if you could share any insight in the difference between working and having a creative team which is close to the home versus um, external agencies, and and yeah. how how you see the dynamic. Yeah, it's been really good. We've had both and we've kind of done a lot more work internally and it's been really beneficial that we are, we understand the band, we're all this, they're that close connectivity. They are so, what I find really great around the creative team working with them internally is that they're connected to all the touch points that we are as well as marketers, as well from the product to our business challenges, we're all in it together as well. And there's that real full understanding um, and context, which has been really great. And um, there's been such a great partnership as well. But I think also one of the key things, and you know, there's lots of learning and iterating as well, but it, I think where we've really started to do well and improve on is like the brief and also giving the creative team space as well. Like I think the importance of a really clear and simple brief and um, also giving the teams time to like try something completely new and radical as well has been really great for us. Um, we've also worked with agencies. I'm also ex-agency, so I did have like a bias towards agencies for for a long time before Bumble. Um, but um, I think there's there's great benefits in both. I think you know you know it's great working with agencies to give us that kind of outside perspective as well, which you don't always have. Um, but it's been really great, and I've really enjoyed working with our team. And I've got a really great close partnership with our head of the creative team as well. And so often, sometimes we 
we we have meetings together and we just brainstorm and think about work and um, he pushes me as I push him as well. So a real great partnership that we've got and it's testament to some of the work that we have produced together as well. And so blazing a trail, life is never perfect. Yeah. So it's a question I ask from time to time, but uh, in in the you know full knowledge that we all make pop-ups all the while, um, what, what has been your best mistake? I think there's been times, like it's not a direct example where we, I, you know, as a team or, you know, ultimately I'm accountable as well, kind of really believed in kind of a campaign or an initiative and it hasn't delivered and it's flopped. And so often, um, and that happened recently, there was a campaign that did it, didn't work as effectively or initiative. And um, one of the times when I do make mistakes, it's when I don't listen to my gut and I... I find that, and as you can get older, you kind of learn to hone in on it. But there's a lot of things which weren't completely, you know, just it didn't feel right, and didn't, and, and it it didn't work for whatever reason. It was a really short thing that we we didn't do, but it was okay. We took the lessons and we took the learnings of it as well. But what I took from it was around that importance of listening, listening to my gut. That's been a constant theme for me around mistakes. Um, and it's like, like I said, I'm I'm really happy making mistakes as well, but. There's always that link between mm, kind of could build this wasn't going in the right way in the right direction um or often my things are rushed and i find that that's where some of the mistakes happen i'm very i'm a very fast mover and um, i make decisions quite quickly but even sometimes when things have been much quicker than my expectations is when things have kind of flopped a little bit and that value of having time to have space and reflect has been really important and I mean, you know, you alluded to that as well within the creative process too, right? Giving the creative team enough space and time and space to be able to to do what they need to do and and, and really truly consider things. It's funny when as you as you were just talking there, it reminded me of this anecdote that I saw recently of Jeff Jeff Bezos, and he said when comparing um, a data and an anecdote, and if the anecdote and data don't match up, it's usually the anecdote that is right, and it's not that the data is wrong; it's just that you may not be asking the right questions in and around it, and it really made me feel. Like as you described, you know, listening to your gut, listening to your instincts, because usually it's that interrogation, it's that lived experience that then can well, you know, lead you to a better answer than maybe sometimes the data points that we often rely on as marketers. Um, but anyway, I, you know, we're coming to the end of the segment now, and and it's been a truly wonderful segment here. And I just want to end on a question, which is, if you were giving advice to your peer group about how to be the most effective marketer that you can. What advice would you give? So this is something that I've been reflecting on a lot. And um, January is always such a reflective pride for me. I spend a lot of time with my coach, setting my goals and thinking about the leader that I want to be. But a piece of advice is that as we deal with a lot of challenges and the, you know, the economic environment and market and becoming more, you know, just the whole host of challenges that market is feeling. One thing that I was would always say is like the importance of being a people first leader and really investing in your team. It's so important. And I think, you know, it's so hard, particularly on the marketing side where you are meetings, you're back back and you're dealing with things. But I fundamentally agree that you can't achieve anything without your team as well. And really investing in your people and creating spaces because that's really gonna unlock. Like you the only way you're gonna be the most effective marketer is if you've got a great team who understands like the what, the why, and the how. 
And I set a really high bar for myself, like sometimes to my, my own detriment, if I'm being honest, but I also um, have high expectations for the team, but I give them the space to be able to achieve that as well. And so for me, um, I know it's a bit of the, the, I always, this quote I have on my phone, but it's the Michael Jordan quote, which is about like talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence is what wins championships. And I think that's the, that's the key to marketing effectiveness and the, the key to how we lead, how, how I lead, how, um, we've achieved great work. And I think it's really what the leaders of my team also set as their kind of mantra as well, the importance of teamwork to getting where to, where you need to as well. Hey, well, if you want to win the championship, teamwork and intelligence, there we that's go. <laughs> I can't say you heard it here first, but, um, but that we said, you can emulate. Wow. Wonderful. Thank you, Nomi. That's been such a, an incredible session here this morning. It's, it's been wonderful. And, and maybe I get the, the pleasure of trying to summarize some of the key themes that have come through. So wish me luck. Um, <laughs> but, um, we kicked off by, by talking about dating Sunday. So first Sunday of the month, everybody get your phones out, get your apps out if you're single, cause that's when it happens. That's when the magic happens. Um, what an incredible journey, right? 10 years bumble. I mean, from, from nothing to something which is synonymous in our marketplace. And it's, you know, largely the way that you've described it, it comes through where it's all about the mission, the the purpose um, that you've tried to, in fact, your, your former CEO tried to um, to put in, um, in, into, you know, changing something for the better, really got, being guided by that true insight in, in around women empowerment um, and changing the status quo when it comes to those, some sort of outdated gender norms that we have, particularly in the online dating space. But of course, that then has created a far greater more cultural movement that has sort of um, gone through and, and flitted through a whole r range of other places and spaces in our society. And I just loved when you talked about things like private detective and um, cyber flashing laws. And so you're really trying to, you know, really make a difference and a dent um, in in some of those other bigger, broader, wider ways as well. And um, you talked, uh, you know, what I really loved is coming through is is the amount of emphasis for your success has been put on your family. I really enjoyed that when you talk about your mom and you talk about your husband and not being able to do it um, with either both the inspiration as as a young as a young woman, but also then you know today in the way that you're being shaped and allows you and enables you to to go on and be successful as a consequence of the family and support that you have around you. And I think that's just super powerful, and I think it's really important. Um, the power of quitting and actually you know the the insight that you had in to make bold moves and know something isn't right but recognizing that actually maybe others are feeling the same too. And it's just wonderful that you were, you know, you had the gumption to actually create a set of conferences which has gone global to help others, you know, feeling feeling unstuck or becoming unstuck when they have those moments in time. All a consequence of you having those moments in time too. So there you go. Um, you talk about the world of marketing and we talked about some of the key trends, but it all culminates, I think, into the world of relevance, being culturally relevant um, and really getting to the heart of what your organization is here to do, which for Bumble is in and around the stories that you tell for your community. And I think the success has been overlaid by that amplification of those stories, the connections that you have in, in driving to people's lives and helping them in, in, in one of what is the most important, one, probably one of the most important aspects of our lives. Um, you talked about your Christmas campaign. Uh, which was lovely, and actually, I loved getting under the skin about it, uh, under it a bit later on when you talked about how your team came up with it and the tongue-in-cheek nature of it all and the brainstorm that you have, and especially the the creative process that you um, allowed to flourish through that to get to these strong campaigns, which are 
are culturally relevant. Um, you also talk around the role of advocacy and the community too, to basically being able to foster the, the time and space that you have and some great examples there from the likes of Netflix as well that shone through. Um, and when it comes to innovation, I like the, the notion when you say you need to give your teams permission to fail, to make mistakes and to really try something new. But actually, that's caveated with the role of being accountable and actually not, you know, having license to do those things, but then being able to talk back to the business about what happened and and therefore giving you probably presumably more license in the future to actually talk about the successes and failures that you have in your organization. So, I mean, I think, you know, so many things and I certainly could go on. Um, I will finish with the, the way that, that you did, which is the importance of being a people first leader. So investing in your teams. Um, giving them the the what, the why, and the how is incredibly, incredibly important in order to achieve marketing success. So I hope I've done you justice, Naomi. It's just been <laughs> so wonderful being able to to speak to you and to share some of these great insights um, with the, the community that we have. So thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. Hey, it has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, Naomi's mum. <laughs> Thanks, mum. <laughs>